Welcome to the Eating Cast. I'm Chris. And I'm Vincent. And I'm Victoria. So welcome. Uh, Alright Vince, so what are we eating today? First and foremost, we got Thai food. One of my favorites. Uh, we went to Summers, which is right by Loyola, if anyone knows it's on Granville and mm -hmm. Broadway. Yeah. Um, I got Pat CU with no, chicken. I got Pat CU. Oh, you got Pat CU. Oh no, I got the Buddy Drunk. Which what is, is like buddy drunk? It has like pin noodles, so I think that these are the noodles. Okay. They kind of look like bean sprouts. I've heard of drunken noodles. I have, I have never heard of a uh, buddy drunk. <laughs> but yeah, so pin noodles, chicken, yeah. baby corn, carrots, jalapenos, and all other sorts of peppers. Sounds like a drunk person made your noodles, man. I actually, I think it might be junk food. <laughs> okay. Awesome. <laughs> well, I just got regular uh, pets you. And it looks like, Victoria, what you got over there? I have pad thai with tofu. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Sounds so good. Yeah. I haven't had pad thai in so long. Actually, oh. I don't think I, the last time we had Why thai didn't food. I get pad thai? You want to switch? No, it's okay. <laughs> last time we had thai food was at um, Thai Pastry. Yeah, 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 Thai Pastry. So, cheers, everyone. Cheers. cheers. First bite, mm. first meal of the day. For real. First meal of the day? Same. Mm. What? <laughs> Why? Just like running around, working, like, it's so bad for my our health. Oh my god. And yet you're so buff. How does that happen? It's plastic. <laughs> it's plastic. <laughs> Can I poke it? It'll probably pop. It's a balloon. It's a balloon. It's all balloons. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Victoria, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So, I started the Miss Chinese Chicago pageant okay. last year. And then this year, I started Asian Fashion Show Chicago, but during the day, I am a software engineer. That's so sick. That's <laughs> beauty and brains right there, man. <laughs> How did you, um, so what, what motivated you to, to start, like, getting into the fashion industry? What, you know, tell, like, what's the, at what point to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... My mom always told me since I was young, and I knew it, that like, you're really shy, you can't talk to people. And so they saw in the newspaper, like back then, obviously, there were still people still read newspapers. And then. Mm, I still read newspapers from time to time. Okay, man. old school, old school, I see. Yeah. Grandpa Chris over here. <laughs> hey, but it's good. Keeping up with the news <laughs> is good. Uh, so. My dad saw in the paper that there was a model call and he was like, oh, you should go try it out, just figure it out. And I was like, eh, are you sure? And then I got there and obviously they're trying to like hype me up and be like, you could be a model, just take photos with us and like all these pictures and money and then you'll be good. Dang. Yeah. And 14 year old me was very gullible and I was just like, okay, let's do it mom. And mom was like, no, this is a scam. Um, but fast forward later on when I got older, I was like, you know what? I think I should try it on my own. So I went for a casting for a fashion <clears throat> show <clears throat> all the way out in Galena, I think. And then I was hooked after that. Like, I just loved walking down the runway. Mm -hmm. It was so much fun. And then I just kept doing it again and again. Mm. Yeah. That's so so how many years have you been doing the uh, whole modeling or just like beauty pageant stuff? So the modeling stuff started when I was 17-ish, okay. and then the beauty pageant stuff started when I was 19. Oh wow, so like very soon after. Yeah. So was it because of um, you going through modeling, you kind of figured out that, you know what, I, I like beauty pageants more? Or is it kind of like, how did you figure out like, you know, that was kind of like your 
calling, right? Yeah. Uh, I volunteered. So I was trying to find an, a way to get into the law field and just like learn more about law. Mm-hmm. And my mom's like, why don't you talk to some lawyers in Chinatown? So I talked to a lawyer in Chinatown. He was like, oh, I think you're too young to start interning for law stuff now, but mm-hmm. maybe you want to volunteer with the Chinatown Chamber of Commerce. Mm-hmm. So I volunteered with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then at, at, they had their annual gala and at every other year they have a pageant at the gala so I walked in and I wasn't expecting I didn't know what to expect and I looked up on that stage and all of these women look so pretty and awesome and confident on that stage and I was like one day I'm gonna be like them <laughs> yeah and now here you are and here I am dang <laughs> owning it um, went for her goals and she got it right so that means take notes guys yeah <laughs> just Shoot your shot. <laughs> Go for your goals. <laughs> exactly. Um, so does that mean, so when I met Victoria, um, this was in 2011? With, with AAJ? AAJC? Yeah, yeah, but it was called something, yeah. Yeah, Advanced. it was like Asian American Institute or something. Like yeah, that, Asian American right? Institute, mm-hmm. yeah. That was when we were just wee little babies. Interning. <laughs> so young, so, baby So were faces. you doing like fashion show, fashion stuff back then? Then? 2011 was my first pageant year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. My first pageant year. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Hmm. You know what, pageant queen? <laughs> yeah, it's lit. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you recently, and you know Jamie Moy. Yes. Right? So mm-hmm. shout out to Jamie Moy. Yes. Um, Our boba queen. Let's go. Boba queen. Do you know Do you know no, Jamie? No, I don't. I don't think I do. She's close friends with Mimi. You might know Mimi. I know Mimi. Yeah. Mimi does my nails. I mean, right now I I haven't got them done for like over a month. That's why they're grown out. But look, over a month and they're still on there. Shout out to Mimi for Mimi the bomb nails. She is the best. Mimi, and where you at? Send business her way right now. <laughs> she gives a sick massage too after you do your nails. She does your nails. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. I can imagine just sitting there like that the whole time. It's like. <laughs> Your hands just get so tired. No, it's no. really relaxing. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I can't do that. Like I've I've thought about it, and I, I'm like, man, I cannot hold my hands out there for like, I don't know how long it takes, but like you know, however long it takes. You do one hand at a time. One so hand like at a time? Oh, one hand's okay. resting, and then you switch. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. that makes more sense. Cause I like, dude, that's like my hands would cramp if I just held them out like that. <laughs> Right, just both hands out and about, just showing your nails. Right, <laughs> it would cramp. You gotta try it. Just, just try it. I don't know, man. I do want to try like a pedicure though. Ooh, definitely. I need a pedicure. I have socks on. She looks so fast. She's like, like, this feet messed up. <laughs> Sorry, I have socks on. No, mine are messed up. Seriously, I gotta have Mimi do them. Mm. She probably does a good job too. She does. You said, I'm just afraid, get... like, you know, my athlete's foot is going to, like, kill everyone yeah, there. Foot? I mean, it's a little stinky from oh. time to time, but not, like, now. <laughs> I'm just being honest. <laughs> We're at all on the table. Right, right. No filter. Um, so, with the, help me understand, so with the fashion show, um, what's your goal with it? My goal is to give a platform to Asian designers and Asian models, mm-hmm. because they are grossly underrepresented in the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. especially Asian models. And mm-hmm. I think it's because Asians tend to, in general, right, 
in general, tend to be shorter than people of other ethnicities. Right. And models for runways, they usually require female models to be at least like 5'10", and then male models oh, wow. to be like 6'2", or 6'3". Yeah. And while there are definitely Asian models who fit that bill, it's it's definitely because of those requ- those unrealistic requirements, I think, in my opinion, it excludes a lot of Asians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you the only one um, funding, not funding, participating in this like movement in Chicago or are there like other place, other people in different cities doing the same thing in terms of um, for the, the Asian population? So from my understanding, there are fashion shows in San Francisco that do that are like pan-Asian mm-hmm. fashion shows that basically have all Asian models. But um, I haven't heard about that anywhere else. I do know that there was one designer, um, actually two now, two designers in New York, in New York Fashion Week last year. They had all an all-Asian lineup. Oh, wow. Yeah, but they still had the, the height requirement piece. So it was mm-hmm. basically all the Asians that you see in any fashion shows just in one show now. I see. Instead of like new people, new faces. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but that's still a good stride. It is. Yeah. 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 So like um, with this whole like, I guess, height requirement thing, right? It's like that's kind of there in the modeling world. Um, is it kind of like... Like, I understand, like, it's, like, um, really discouraging, right, for a lot of people because, like, um, there's a lot of beautiful people that don't actually meet those height requirements, right, that can definitely model, that can definitely have, that definitely have the confidence to kind of, like, go up there on the runway and kind of, like, hold themselves strong, right? Mm -hmm. So, why is it, do you think, that they have this kind of, like, height requirement for all these models, right? I think there's just a, a very westernized i think standard of beauty that's applied Mm. across the world and also people tend to be drawn to people who are like taller and then when they think of an outfit when you're looking at sketches of of outfits by designers they're always the the model proportions are already unrealistic like Mm -hmm. the legs the leg length isn't like is three times the the length of like the torso for example Mm -hmm. so they just in the design industry alone um the the proportions of the human body are already contorted Mm -hmm. and so then when you try to apply a very unrealistic um like piece of clothing or unrealistically shaped and cut piece of clothing to a human being Mm -hmm. then they've just narrowed down the playing field to people who are extremely tall and extremely skinny yeah and just earlier this year there was one model who actually fainted on the runway and i was very shocked that it didn't make it didn't make as much of a splash as i felt felt like it should have which is that so many models are pushed to the point of being unrealistically skinny Mm -hmm. because again these designers have uh, the design industry in general has unrealistic expectations of the human body which i think is just really really odd because aren't you making clothing for people like if there if there weren't people why would there be clothing people come first in my opinion and people come in all different shapes and sizes Mm -hmm. yeah and so many people will look at the runway and think it's a show it's not something i could potentially buy Mm -hmm. so then where is your market that's my question to so many so many people who try to challenge the notion that I have of like we should be including models of all different ranges and body shapes. It's mm-hmm. like, who is your market? Mm-hmm. 
So then, um, would you say, because um, your your focus is the Asian population? Yeah. So then, how does that, I guess, fit into the concept of trying to make it even more? Um, what's the word? Uh, Inclusive diverse. and diverse. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I guess I guess what I'm saying is you are like ama- doing amazing like first step for sure for the Asian population, but then. I guess, will that eventually segue to include other people? You know what I mean? I have I have thought about that consideration. Mm-hmm. And my main concern is when I've dealt with some designers, and I actually have dropped a designer um, for basically this very reason, mm-hmm. but um, I have reached out to some designers who are like, oh, what's the height requirement um, for your models? What sizes are they? And mm. they already come with the notion that if I have a range of models, that they're only gonna choose the ones who are the tallest and that fit the bill the most. Mm -hmm. And then all the other models are left behind. And so once I start opening the playing field Mm -hmm. to people of other ethnicities who are generally taller, then all the designers are just gonna choose those models and leave behind all the rest of them. Does that make sense? So in a way I'm trying to force them to to use these models and then afterward they realize, hey, you know, these models are great. And we actually started before the fashion show. We already have promo videos and promo photos. And I think some of the designers have been pleasantly surprised with the results Mm -hmm. because they did not imagine that a model who is 5'4 or shorter can still slay their outfits with expressions and poses and just make the outfit seem so awesome that other people want to wear it too. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty awesome, Mm -hmm. right? Because, like, it's, it's again, like, um, going to that notion of, like, you know, one size doesn't fit all and like um not all fits one size it's like <clears throat> you have these people right that you know may be small and petite but they carry like such enormous like energy yeah right? and a, like a lot of character and everything like that like a good example right is like Mimi right she's energetic you know she has a lot to say she's got a lot to do and she's like always asking talking and doing everything she can to be active and like not just her life, but like, you know, her extended family's life, right? Because like, I believe, she, I, I can't remember her sorority's name, but... Her what? Her sorority. Um, Alpha Phi Gamma? Yes, Alpha, Alpha Phi Gamma. Gamma, yeah. Like, she's, if I'm not mistaken, I know she was really active in it. She's, she has she's a lot still, of influence. Yeah, a lot yeah. of influence. Like, for such a small girl, right? It's all confidence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, she's loud. That's all it is. You know, she's loud. She's like a beacon. Yeah. You know? But yeah, and I think that's really... You know, saying a lot, right? It's like, you don't have to be, you don't have to fit a certain build, right? To fill those shoes, mm-hmm. right? Like, yep. for instance, like Mimi, tiny girl. Right. But, you know, I think we have to owe a lot to owe to like people like that. And also, yeah. you know, in, in social media, like Michelle Yeoh, Constance mm-hmm. Wu, um, yeah. Aquafina, like, they're all different kinds, different types of, you know, people right right but because they express themselves with confidence yeah. i think it helps a lot of um girls um feel like they could relate and like oh if they can do it i can do it too yeah and so i think that's what's driving the community upwards and i mean i'm seeing a lot of change yeah so, in the good way too mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah 
And to actually to that specific point, so in our pageant, we train our girls on Q&A as well as other things. And one of the questions is, what is a modern female role model for you? And almost all of them say that Constance Wu is. Oh my God. Because she's so outspoken and she takes action. There's there's action behind her words. (laughs) Yeah. So, absolutely. So I have a question from Vincent with a E. I'm Another like, Vincent. You? Um, <laughs> Yourself? All right, go ahead. <laughs> so he wants to ask, what is your stance on the gender-neutral fashion wave, and do you think that empowerment should be prioritized in traditional female fashion as well? Ooh, okay. So I, I see that as a two-part question. Yeah. So I'll try to address the, the first one first. So <laughs> the gender-neutral wave of fashion, I think that it's great, and I think that, that that is another reflection of the different areas that haven't been touched in the mm-hmm. fashion industry. Um, so many people, I think, though, um, I think they a lot of people are like, oh, you know, where where is the identity in that? But uh, many people actually identify very much with that that notion of of not of being genderless in your in your outfit and showcasing your personality as a person rather than as a gender yeah and i think that's really exciting to see more of in the fashion industry in general definitely yeah yeah the only thing i'd say that some people have criticism of is not necessarily the concept of genderless but that they feel that the fashion the the um design itself kind of gets lost because Mm -hmm. it's trying to be too gender neutral like what does gender neutral mean right so some people define it differently some people are thinking like oh it's just got to be pants but why can't it be like a skirt but still gender neutral so how how we're like defining it and how each person defines it is different and i think maybe that might start to cause a little bit of conflict but um i'd like to see more people explore it at least i feel like yeah i think it should just be thrown out there because just like art art is subjective right yeah. So, I mean, it's whatever you see it as. Yeah. I mean, I don't you know. You need to go to Ireland, right? I, I mean, I don't want to. I might go to Ireland. Bad ma- oh, really? And th- either this November or next November. Oh, wow. Nice. All right, have fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, um, I think it's, yeah, Ireland, um, they have kilts, right? Yeah. yeah. Like skirts. Yeah. It's like, it's like whatever. That, that can be seen, like, in, you know, like, I guess over here as, like, oh, it's a guy wearing a skirt, right? But at the same time, like, over there, it's normal, right? Mm-hmm. It's like normal. Yeah, like um, I've done Spanish dancing before, and then you have guys wearing the heels. It's yeah. whatever. It's, like, I think it's part it's of whatever. the dance, right? Yeah, it's part of the dance, part of the culture, <laughs> um, and it's what you make of it. I, yeah. I don't think it should. I think I think in today's society, I feel like a lot of people are just really critical mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. So I mean, that's always going to be a um, what's the word? Um, an obstacle. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then the second part of the question was it um, women uh, supporting women's fashion? Uh, do you think that empowerment should be prioritized in traditional female fashion? Mm. Empowerment in female fashion. Traditional female. Traditional female yeah. fashion. <laughs> I'm not I, sure what that question that means. Yeah, I'm a, I'll, I'm a, I'm gonna try to take a stab at what I think it means. Okay. So. Um, Thinking about like the the women empowerment movement in general, I think there's different understandings of like what does it mean to be a feminist. And some people think feminism is you're just supporting women. You're saying that women are the best, 
and other people think that feminism is you are actually saying everyone's equal. It's not either either gender is not is not above one another mm-hmm. or uh, the other. And so um, in saying, I think what how I interpret this question is we should focus on female fashion in order to empower women. And I think that um, I don't think that that should be the case. I personally think that because females define themselves in so many different ways like there there isn't necessarily one female fashion mm-hmm. fashion is just like your sense of personality is the fashion is just a reflection of your personality and it could be so different just because you're female like for example um, with our pageant I have told each of the women in our pageant that for our opening scene you can buy your own dress and it will be just any dress that's above the knee. Mm -hmm. And so they have chosen a wide variety of dresses. Some chose like very straight one with a bunch of glitter on it. And then other girls chose ones that are like a two two piece that has like a um, skater skirt. Mm -hmm. And those are all reflections of their personality. and now thinking about that question, it actually think, makes me think for next year, maybe if we, if I want, I could also consider like any outfit that's above the knee. What if it's like a romper or something? Mm-hmm. That would be cool too. That would definitely be cool. Yeah, thanks for that question. Summertime. <laughs> summertime romper time. Hey! Oh! oh that was good. <laughs> Branding right here. Branding. <laughs> summertime romper time. Trademark. Trademark. LLC. <laughs> um, so... <clears throat> Let's talk a little bit about, uh, you said it's Project Vision, or the Vision Project? Project Vision. Project Vision. Mm-hmm. So what, what is that all about? Yes. You used to work. Yes, so the story with Project Vision is I was volunteering with the youth group at Chinese American Service League. Mm-hmm. Then I invited the executive director of Project Vision, Karen, to a career panel that I put together. And then she said, we have an opening for a new role, which is um, program assistant. And so I, when I was an undergrad, I worked there for a year. And then after I graduated, I co-founded their associate board. And I was on their associate board for about four years. Mm-hmm. And then after I moved off the associate board, I started working on my own things. So like the pageant, for example. And then now I'm trying to bring all the pageant girls back mm-hmm. um, to get involved with Project Vision. So what is Project Vision? Project Vision is a youth nonprofit in Chinatown that provides 100% free service learning, tutoring, and leadership programming for middle school and high school youth. Okay. Yeah. And so their goal is to empower students holistically. Mm-hmm. And they do not, they, they accept everyone on a, um, on a first come first serve basis. And it's not based on any race or gender or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the age range. Mm-hmm. And their goal is to ensure that like, while students are getting tutoring and they're learning more, um, advancing in their studies, they also understand um, and how to become leaders. And I think that piece is key and that's generally what's missing in the Asian community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think, or what's the biggest challenge for you when it comes to this kind of work? Like the whole empowering the community and empowering the youth. Yeah. Um, especially this time, like this generation, the new kids, you know? Yeah. I, I think that the, the, biggest challenge isn't even the people the the kids that I've worked with it is the people the older people in the community who have a certain mindset of what is filial piety what is respect Mm -hmm. what is 
be what is a community leader and so um, I guess in the traditional sense and a community leader is someone who is a business owner or um, someone who has been on the board of an organization for a really long time and they say they so they associate leadership with how long you've been involved rather than like what is your intention how what what are you trying to do to become a better version of yourself I think is also another definition of a leader mm-hmm. because then you inspire other people because you're you're able to be vulnerable enough with people mm-hmm. to say hey you know this is my journey and my journey wasn't smooth but I got to where I am today and that makes me a leader and that actually I think is even more inspirational because it's like I can relate to you mm-hmm. as a person yeah. Yeah. and I could become you one day right. it's not like this some untouchable or this kind of like up in the air concept of like a leader that ooh you know like I can't I'm gonna strive to be that one day yeah I'll never reach it yeah exactly <laughs> then how is that a leader yeah yeah that's just um that's just lusting for like um like something that you can never have right but in reality that's not the case yeah but I feel like um like going like backtracking a little bit like um with the older community right it's like the reason they view like you know leadership the way they do is because they see it as like personally this kind of like you know coming from like my own family and like their own background because <clears throat> like we like my grandpa my grandma and all, all of them and my uncle and father you know they all see it as like like being a leader or kind of like you know just being like the head of the family right quote unquote head of the family yeah, like power yeah power is like i'm making all the moves i'm i'm i i brought the family here right from china Right, so my grandfather, you know, came to America, you know, and then coming to America, he had to do what he had to do, you know, to make enough money to send back home, which in turn then brought, you know, my grandmother, my uncle, and my father over, and then just kind of like that struggle, right? Like the old generation believes in like hard work is what builds character, which is what then builds like a trustworthy person, mm-hmm. you know. And I believe they're kind of still stuck in that mentality, you know, of their old ways. And that's really like a downfall, right? Because in order to grow, right, in order to adapt, we need to accept that, you know, the newer generation, right, like us, you know, the first generation born here, or even second generation born here, we are more of like, we didn't we didn't have to grow up in the struggles that our parents did, right? They literally sacrificed everything so that we could have everything. So we're not going through the phases that they had to go through, mm-hmm. right, for their childhood, which really wasn't a childhood, right, because they're just struggling, mm-hmm. finding food to eat and to support their family, which gave us the opportunity, you know, their offspring, right, the opportunity to do what we wanted, right, and because we're doing what we want and stuff like that, it's it segues into like, well, there's a shift now, right, in what our generation sees as... A leader or like you know something that's positive right something that's impactful to the community right and they just need to kind of like I'm not sure if they need to open their eyes per se but like you know have an open mind right because mm-hmm. they're a lot of them unfortunately are still stuck in that mentality the old way of yeah thinking. exactly yeah exactly yeah I, yeah that's just what comes with it I mean, yeah I mean some of them are open-minded definitely but it's hard to even tap into that yeah. Sometimes. I don't know. 
And I, what I've been trying to emphasize with my pageant girls is that we always try to meet people halfway as much mm-hmm. as we can. And thinking from that perspective, right, they did sacrifice a lot for us. And so we have to respect the fact that they did and they were willing to. Um, but also because of that, under, that, their background being that way, they don't have a concept of what is... Um, what can be moved forward from the basic necessities Mm -hmm. and so helping them understand gradually while still pushing your point I think is important yeah yeah and that's what I also talked about with um, the youth that I mentored Mm. what um, just going back you're are you full Chinese yes you're full Chinese Mm -hmm. do you speak yeah Cantonese and Mandarin my Cantonese is better but nice you got me beat team Canto Let's go. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, my canto is all right. It's not like the best, but I can get by. Yeah, just, I think I would survive. I think I could order food. Not even actually. I could I'll just get by. Has to go to the bathroom, right? Those are the important stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so actually, like, speaking of, like, you know, about that, right? Like, kind of like, you know, your culture. Right, being like you know, China, like culturally Chinese, it's like though you're born in America, right? You know, you're technically American. So like for if you know, not knowing if you want to have kids in the future or not, but like um, you know, for your the future generations to come, right? It's like for you, right, and your husband is like, do you want to kind of like, how would you, like, or oh God, how do I say this? What is your like, you know, your thoughts on like um. What's your thoughts on like um, combining like you know, what you, like you know your family culture right and your husband's family culture and then like what you what you both see as culture in America right mm-hmm. like the Chinese dynamic the um, Indian dynamic and then like I guess the American dynamic mm-hmm. right because like you know being first generation we have that opportunity right to kind of identify or luckily right we have that opportunity to identify as American right but. Culturally speaking, we have a lot of Chinese influence due to our background and our family, right? So what would you bring into your, like, you know, future family, Mm -hmm. would you say? Uh, So a lot of my friends try to convince us to have babies because they're like, mixed babies are the cutest. (laughs) Pressure. Um, A lot of pressure. (laughs) pressure to have babies. (laughs) Um, But jokes aside. Thinking about babies, first of all, I'm like, I'm not sure if I want any. But okay. if I do, if I did, I have thought about it, and I would. We've talked about it too. We would definitely make sure that they, at the very least, learn all the languages that we know. Mm-hmm. Both know combined, mm-hmm. and that man, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what is your um, husband's ethnicity? Indian. Indian. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think he speaks three languages. Three languages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So it would be a lot for kids. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> but a lot of pressure. But a lot of pressure. Do you think you'd be a tiger mom? Oh, I would. Yeah. I would. Well, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, the one tradition yeah. we can't break. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I won't be a helicopter mom, but I'd be a tiger mom. Mm. So those are, those are different. You know, like, what's the difference real quick? Mm. Helicopter mom is they are overburdening. They're always there trying to, like, control the situation. And tiger mom is like, you have to do well in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have, to per- you have to perform well. In every aspect of your life. Yes. Sorry, mom, I failed you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, because, like, um, yeah, like, going back, like, um, talking about it, like, my parents were, 
uh, separated early on in my childhood. So because of that, I had a really different dynamic. And also because of that dynamic, I didn't do well in school because I wanted attention. <laughs> you know, kind of like, that's just how it is, right? You know, mm -hmm. the problem child because of a problem family, in a sense. Mm. You were but, your own tiger, not even right Not now. even tiger, dude. I was like my own, I was my own warden, dude. I was like, you know what? Do whatever the heck you want. <laughs> but um, in all seriousness, though, like, uh, from that, right, being like a kid that kind of was the one seeking attention and kind of trouble, right, to get the attention from, like, to get the attention of others, I personally feel like I completely did like a 180, right? Because like all throughout elementary school, high school, you know, I personally didn't really care too much in school. Like I knew I knew my stuff, right? But I just didn't bother doing any of, any of the homework or any of the assignments and stuff like that. But as time came, uh, went along, you know, I was like, you know what? I should probably do this, you know, if not for my parents, for myself, right? Just because, like, I need to do something with my life. <laughs> and I'm not going to be a bum for the rest of my life either. I don't think, so, any, yeah. I don't think any of us And then some college, right? college comes around. I was like, you know what? I'm going I'm, I'm to start doing better. And then what really checked me was when I got that, um, when I was at uh, Oakton, I got a, uh, uh, what you call it? What's that stuff called? Um, oh, yeah, I was on academic probation. Oh. For going below a 2.0. <laughs> so I was like, all right, there's a wake-up call. I need to get on top of this. Yeah. And then I got my butt together, got everything uh, settled at Oakton, got back up to like a 3.0, mm -hmm. transferred out to like North Park. Yeah. And that's where I got my exercise science degree. And here we are. Awesome. Doing yeah. podcasts. You know, I was... Not even part of my degree. <laughs> it's a side hustle, for yeah. sure. Um, I always tell people that, like, I'm sure you you guys would agree, but like everyone is on a different timeline. Yeah. And so you know you could be a hundred steps forward, mm -hmm. and that could be your time, your moment to shine. But maybe behind you, you're like, what the heck? This guy is fifty steps behind me, but why is he why is he popping off so early? Everyone's just on a different timeline. Yeah. Um, and that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot, a lot of the a lot of my friends who are younger than me. They struggle with that. Mm -hmm. They always think that like, oh, I, I need to like pop off at this age or as soon as I graduate. Hell, right? It's not like that. <laughs> right, and, it's not. And like, I, you can have like a rough estimation. You know, like, like oh, you know, in my like you know late twenties, I want to do this, this, and this. Right. Like, okay, yeah, that's a goal. Go for it. I think, for sure though, to be well successful, um, I feel like that's a social construct to be like the meaning of success, right? Mm -hmm. I guess you would say, but like, let's well, not get back to that one term. Adulting. I hate uh, that word. I won't say that. I, I swear. It. I swear. I won't say that. <laughs> okay. But like, would you agree? Twenty between twenties and thirties, that's when you could explore. Thirties to forties, you have your paths kind of set, and then from forties on, if you're still exploring, you probably should uh, be careful. No, I don't think so. No. 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 Okay. Okay. Like, a good uh, representation of that is actually is like you know, like a lot of people. Or not a lot, but like, you know, there's some people, right? Like, for instance, like, um, can't think of who they are now for some reason. I don't know why my brain just blanked out. But yeah, there's like a lot of people, right, that go throughout their um, 30s to 40s, right? Kind of still trying to like figure out what the heck they want to do. And then out of, out of the blue, right, in their uh, late 40s to 50s, like, they 
or like yeah okay let me, let me rephrase that right like um in their late th no 30s to 40s right they're doing something that they have to do just to make ends meet right and then come late 40s to like you know uh early 50s they can flip their life around right mm -hmm. and then actually choose to go towards something different right mm -hmm. like a good example you know it's like a fiance right rachel's dad mm -hmm. right he was doing like what sales mm -hmm. like for a long part of his life mm -hmm. and then he completely 180 and wanted to do carpentry right or um, something like that. He started off with carpentry. Oh, he started off with carpentry. And without a college degree, I think barely in high school, and he worked his way up to being VP mm -hmm. of sales. And oh. so, but even after that, he was like, you know, with all this money, like, I'm not happy. Yeah. Um, and that just reinforces the idea, like, money isn't... Doesn't isn't the root to happiness. Nope, right. it's not. And happiness isn't... There's no cash price. There's no dollar sign to happiness. Nope. Yeah. Not at all. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like we sometimes make our make our younger generation feel like life has to be like one direction. It could be so many different yeah. directions. You take detours, you go backwards, mm -hmm. then you go forward. <sighs> it's uh, and I've like I like to think of it as the electric slide. Uh, not slide. Electric slide. Oh yeah, uh, that? that's a good one. What's the electric slide, slide? to the left. Oh, is that the cha cha slide? Or is it the cha cha? Now I'm mixing them up. Yeah, to me they're the same thing. Same thing, same yeah. thing. It's still a slide. <laughs> slide I remember like all the field days they would play the same song. And it would be like everybody clap your hands. There's also the Cupid <laughs> one, right? Cupid Shuffle. Cupid Shuffle, Cupid yeah. shuffle yeah. 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 Go and do. Throwback. Mm. Those are the times. But no one like like traditional pathways to things aren't really I don't think a lot of I guess millennials are even doing that anymore. People are just exploring different venues and like, I don't have to be a lawyer. I don't have to be a doctor or engineer. There's so mm -hmm. many other things that you could be doing. Um, yeah. well, my, the one thing my dad would say is like, as long as you're not like starving, you know, do something you love and at least as long as you're not starving. Well, the fact that this was my first meal of the day. That's different, man. That, that was <laughs> that's because you're hustling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, okay, so we got hella sidetracked. So let's go back to the question. Um, You're saying with if you were oh, peer we pressured really to have yeah, if you were peer pressured to have babies, you would want them to be. Oh yeah, to learn all the at the very least, learn all the languages that we know. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing would definitely be like they have to interact with their parents, but we have to still be parenting. Because mm -hmm. I know that a lot of people um, in the Asian community, especially because their parents had to work, they were raised by their grandparents. And not saying oh, yes, anything like that, like that's great that they were able to be in the picture. And I think it's important that grandparents are in the picture. Mm -hmm. um, and then another thing is, I want them, like what you were saying with the American versus Chinese piece or American versus Indian piece. Mm -hmm. They need to understand the difference because I think sometimes people get confused. Like, what is like? They'll call me Chinese, and I'm like, but I'm Chinese American because mm -hmm. I have, I am technically American, mm -hmm. and um, I think they need to understand that concept too by going to the countries that our parents came from and oh, our grandparents yeah. came like, from. I mean, I've never been back to China at all, but I can guarantee if I go back to China, you know, my family's village. I go there. Is uh, they, they're from um, Guangdong. Mm -hmm. I can guarantee. I go there, man. They're gonna be looking at me like, "Who the hell are you?" Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, my family's from here. Like, well, but you're not. Yeah, they could tell right yeah. away if if you're not from there. Yeah. I'll feel like a banana immediately. <laughs>
Uh, speaking of which, have you seen The Farewell yet? By the I have not seen it yet, oh but I've God. heard of it. I haven't seen it yet. Such a good movie. No movie. spoilers. Such uh, a good movie. <laughs> no. Yeah. I was like, dude. Oh, no, Wednesday. Wednesday, right? Uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. No. It was Tuesday. Yeah, yes. Tuesday. Um, shout out to uh, Johnny Young for hooking up with the tickets to the movie premiere. It was I'm so jelly. Yeah, it was no. I mean, no. No spoilers, obviously, but it Thank was you. very relatable. Did you see Crazy Rich Asians? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you think about that? There was a lot of fashion into that. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of fashion. Yeah. So yeah. actually, like, uh, segueing off uh, Crazy Rich Asians and kind of like going back to, like, you know, what you do. Do you feel like um, just, like, from the release of that movie in general, like, there has been a shift in, like, the fashion world at all? Mm. Or do you like feel like it just made a blip, but it's not like something that is really impactful that will last and actually cause change? So, honestly, I think that that movie, specifically with regard to fashion and Asians in fashion, I don't think made as much of a statement as K-pop, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think K-pop is what's actually bringing more awareness to, like... Because K-pop stars will go to fashion shows, and yeah. they're invited as special guests. I didn't know that. Yeah, and they're also, like, the, yeah. the yes. ambassadors of those name brands, like Chanel yeah. and, and Louis Vuitton. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I think Makes more sense. that's, like, where the the fashion pieces for Asians but in terms of like the movie itself what I thought about it this is probably actually like very probably counter to what a lot of people think because I felt like it was um a cell definitely a celebration of Asians but it kind of to me it kind of got the concept of Asian and Asian American mixed up a little bit Mm -hmm. because basically almost like a majority of the actors were not from those country the country that they were in and yet had somehow it's like mm. they it was like it also i felt like it was a little bit of a cinderella story a little bit even well, though even though she did push back on it which i felt was crucial to her character yeah. she needed to recognize that like hey i'm not just here for the money and like she it was very apparent in the mahjong scene mm-hmm. yeah that was like this the moment key moment for me and for that movie it's like just so you know i already won man. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah like, exactly <laughs> um and and I, and I think that that scene was also a pivotal moment for me too because it brought in the the filial piety piece of like I respect you being his mom and that like you are an elder but also like here are my cards, mm-hmm. um, and that that piece I think was the most beautiful scene out of the whole movie. So my mom when when I showed her this movie she was saying like, oh that's exactly how the American the Western Asians are like they always want to fight back talk back uh-huh what do you think about that huh like that disrespecting of your elders like they yeah. automatically tie it to oh it's because they were born in the west uh-huh that's why they act like that uh-huh. if they were in China this wouldn't be a problem yeah or like you know anywhere in Asia yeah um I think that it's it's probably more prevalent, 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 <laughs> prevalent. There you go. <laughs> uh, for for Asian Americans to do it versus Asians, mm-hmm. uh, from our perspective, right? But uh, or my perspective, mm-hmm. but I think that it's it's becoming more and more uh, prevalent in in Asian countries too. Like for example, the Hong Kong movement. It was run oh all God. by young people. What was that all about? I don't, I... 
I only saw briefly that there was like protests. Yes, so it was basically China has been very much trying to influence Hong Mm -hmm. Kong policy because um, Hong Kong used to be a British colony until 97. Mm -hmm. And then they returned back to China. Yeah, but like their return back was supposed to be like Hong Kong would still get its autonomy essentially, its financial and political freedom until um, a certain point, which is 20 something. So 2020 something. Um, I don't remember the exact year. I think maybe 23. So it's coming up very close soon. And China's already trying to like stick their hand into Hong Kong even further. Um, they've basically the elections for their current leader is is basically because of China. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the elections in Hong Kong are mostly like the, cert, people with businesses and people from China have like the main votes, and the popular yeah. vote is like a very slim portion. So you never really get a popular leader. Right. And this leader is, is well, someone who was instilled from China. She, on her own, though, attempted to draft it, to push through an extradition bill that would say that anyone, not just Hong Kong citizens, but even people who land on Hong Kong soil can be extradited to China or to Taiwan if what? they commit any crime for punishment. Wow. And so this was essentially their her way, uh, Carrie Lam was the leader of Hong mm-hmm. Kong, her way of trying to force people who are political activists in Hong Kong, uh, specifically with regard to, like, uh, press freedom and like freedom of speech to be sent to China to be punished, which could include being killed. It's like silencing. It's silencing mm-hmm. exactly. Um, slowly but surely, a bunch of big bookstore owners um, from Hong Kong were were disappearing and they were being sent to oh, China. Shoot. Yeah. That's why. What's the name? Um. Oh crap! I forget his name. Oh, that one Asian guy that was like all over the news. What was like, it? Like, it was a few years ago. He was like a writer. He was like he was like I'm not sure if he owned a bookstore, but he was like a writer. Yeah, he's a writer. Yeah. Yeah. And so, then he was like I think he was back in China and then like his wife escaped or his wife got immunity, diplomatic immunity and escaped mm-hmm. to somewhere else. I forgot where. But yeah. I remember that one. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty big one. Yep. Yeah. And they're trying they she said that the reason why they were trying to push through this bill is because there was a guy from Hong Kong who appeared, who was accused of having killed his girlfriend from Taiwan and she was saying that You said Urbana, right? I'm uh, sorry, what? In Urbana? No, no, no. 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 Oh, it's a different one. No, that not not that girl, completely different. Oh, okay. But um that he uh he killed his girlfriend from Taiwan and so they needed to send him back to Taiwan. But Taiwan's saying like we have, we don't want anything to do with extradition law, like we also want our democratic freedom from China. Yeah. Um and so it's it like they're pitting ta- they're trying to pit Taiwan and Hong Kong against each other when actually Taiwan and Hong Kong have like the very same mindset. That's what yes now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's actually bringing them even closer, which is great in my opinion. I wonder what it's gonna be like over there. It's gonna be like like World War Three or something. Rather go back before anything bad happens. <laughs> Tiananmen Square all over again. It actually, yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be. It's it's gotten violent already. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think um, what was that? I think the last protest I remember watching or seeing was um, like it got really violent, like almost to the point where, like it was it was non lethal, but like it was still like exacerbated. Right, the mm-hmm. amount of force that the uh, military power used it was like they unloaded a crap ton of like tear gas yeah into like the crowds is this France? no 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 in, in Hong Kong oh it was like a few years ago and like honestly it, like it 
if I'm not mistaken, a lot of people were hospitalized because of it. Yeah. Because of the, you know, like, the ridiculous amount of, like, tear gas and pepper balls that were, like, let out into the crowds. Mm-hmm. Right? Just because they wanted to take control of the situation. Yeah. Because I guess they were scared of, like, a, a civil uprise, right? Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, if your citizens want change... You can only control them for so long, right? Yeah, people are just you know? fed up. And now they're start I feel like they're starting to grasp the concept of like, you know what, we like together as a unit are really strong, you know, yep. power in numbers. Yeah. And so people are gonna speak up, people are gonna there's gonna be civil unrest. You know? Yeah. Definitely. I think it's needed if there's ever if you need like change for the better. But I mean, that's gonna come with time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I have a question from Rachel. <laughs> Your fiance? Yes. Okay, what so she say? So, she asked, In a male-dominated industry, how do you change the perspective of how a woman should look? Mm. In any dominated, male-dominated industry? I'm going to assume so. Okay. So, I guess I'll just use the example of my current industry, which is engineering. And I would say, I've already told my husband that I am... Uh, one of very few females, uh, female engineers, and um, I am very outspoken, and I am also very, uh, I love fashion, mm-hmm. and if I'm too hot, I'm going to wear what I want to wear, mm-hmm. and if I'm cold, I'm going to wear what I want to wear, so um, I'd say I'd probably, I'd probably wear much, much more risque things than you would normally think of like as a female engineer, um, and so in terms of like my fashion overall, I consider... First and foremost, I consider, okay, like, these concepts and notions of, like, appropriate or inappropriate, what does that actually mean? And I think, and I, and I know, like, uh, this, I'm going off a little bit of a tangent, but. It's fine. We always go on tangents. <laughs> yeah. That's just how we are. Cool. Um, that, you cannot make a straight line, ever. And why? Why would you make a straight line, right? Exactly. Curve lines are fun. Uh, <laughs> uh that thinking about the pageant, I've asked, been asked by contestants and many women, um, why do you still have the swimsuit portion? And since you do, why do you have bikinis instead of a one-piece? And mm. in my perspective... The, this, is, this is your show? Uh, my pageant. Oh, gotcha. Yes. Okay. And I am very much for wearing a bikini. And the reason why is because first and foremost, I think that it shows how confident you are in your body. Mm-hmm. That you are confident enough to stand on a stage with all these people looking at you in a bikini. Mm-hmm. That is your body and you can own it. Yeah. Uh, the second piece is that it's sh- our decision, women and anyone, their anyone's decision what to wear or not to wear, I think shouldn't be dependent on other people misconstruing or objectifying us. Um, and so I should not be bending my rules and the way I handle myself and my pageant mm-hmm. based on men or other people saying, oh, like you're showing too much skin or, oh, you're, um, you're just be- you're being really sexy. Like I should, like, I think that, um, you're more like prostitutes or something. Mm-hmm. And some people may, may construe it that way. And you know what? That's up to them. Mm-hmm. And that's on them. It's not because of what I'm wearing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I shouldn't change what I'm wearing because of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so going back to like what I wear in a male dominated industry and how I should look, I'm going to look however I want to look and it's up to them how they take it. As long as I'm able to do my job, like you should not be judging me based on that and on, on anything else. 
Um, so during during your modeling career and with the girls that you work with, have have you or they like dealt with negative and toxic critical comments like that, and how you or and them go about dealing with it? Oh so, yeah, yeah. We've experienced it left and right, um, and we've all had our fair share of having to deal with even people we know mm-hmm. suggesting, hey, like, oh, are you just doing a pageant because you think you're pretty? And oh, that, what? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's just very frustrating because they then they clearly don't understand us as a person. How could you... I thought I thought you knew me, essentially, yeah. would be my response. Because... In, uh, and But I try to obviously, like, try to see where they're coming from because there is definitely a stereotype around pageantry that it's all about just looking sexy and pretty on stage. To me... Um, Not all pageants are created equal. There's pageants that are just focused on um, making the women seem really sexy and like model-esque. So like quote unquote model-esque, like tall and skinny. But my pageant is focused on the community and how you are, your character as a person, how altruistic you are, how empathetic you are and approachable. And so since that is the goal of my pageant, I definitely want to focus on character as a whole. So I forgot what the initial question was. Uh, in the male industry, how do you like? Uh, let me just reread it. In a male-dominated industry, how do you change the perspective of how a woman should look? Ah, uh, yeah. Um, honestly, I'm not trying to change the, anyone's perspective. I'm just being me. Uh, so. And how they take it is how they take. It. And how they take mm-hmm. is how they take it. Because I'm not going to judge other women on how they dress, and they shouldn't be judging me. And same thing with other people in the industry. It is what it is. I wear what I wear, and I do my job. So. There you go. <laughs> yeah. What else? That's a good one. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, I guess, like, going back to that, it's like... I'm, so, coming from it, right, it's like, obviously, like, you know, in the patches, like you were saying, there's, like, a lot of, like different pageants with different objectives, right? Some yeah. are more objectifying than others, obviously, but um, so kind of going through it before you actually set up your own kind of like um, pageantry stuff like that, right? How did you personally like deal with like all these negative comments and like, like from like, you know, early on, right? When you yeah. first started, right? Because it's always like, you know, a struggle, right? Because you gotta, kind of got to crawl before you can like walk. Or yeah. Like, what was it? What was I saying? You gotta, sometimes you gotta Crawl before you walk. Yeah, crawl before. Okay, all right. Walk before you run. Yeah, walk before you run. Run before you. Run before you sprint. Something. I don't know these. Sprint before you fly. We're really bad. Whatever. All right. We'll never drive. We should never do analogies ever again. (laughs) It's fun to watch it evolve. Yeah. Right. (laughs) What was next after flying? I want to hear. I don't know. Um, Swim before you drown. But yeah, so like, um, what were some of like, um, you know, early on, like the struggles that you've gone through, right? To kind of like, and how did you overcome these struggles? Yeah, uh, the after the first time I did the pageant, I made the mistake, or I guess it wasn't a mistake. I searched my Chinese name, and I found Ooh. forums, Chinese forums, Ooh. where people were being very mean, and what? some of them Is were the name? Uh, because they they knew about the pageant, and my name came up in the forum. <sighs> And they were saying well, this is a Chinese pageant. Chinese pageant. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so that's bogus. Yeah, and they were 
uh, these people were saying that, oh, she's so fat and she's so ugly. How could she think she's in this pageant? Like, of course she won Miss Congeniality. Because the first year I won Miss Congeniality. Okay. And then every year after that, they've always just said, oh, she's she's not pretty enough to be anything but Miss Congeniality. And first of all, I was like, Miss Congeniality is actually like a very honorable title because you've earned it not based on the judges' choices, but based on other contestants you've been with, you've mm-hmm. spent time with, and they trust you as a person and value you. Ooh. So I think that's actually a very honorable title. And can you explain what the title means real quick? Yeah. I don't know what congeniality means. Yeah, yeah. Congeniality. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so basically, uh, congeniality is the concept of being really friendly with people and people like you. And Miss Congeniality is always chosen by contestants. So they choose another contestant. Yeah, your peers, essentially. Mm. And so if people who you were competing with in a competition choose you as their favorite, like that's very honorable, in my opinion. I agree. She's got that every single time. Every single time. Honorable woman. Have you always been um like extroverted no 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 definitely not it was a journey it was a hard it was a hard journey <laughs> yeah yeah a very hard journey <laughs> i think it was just a lot of pushing myself mm-hmm. um but sorry going back to the uh, the struggle and oh the struggle yeah. yeah so that was the, that's the first point right <laughs> and then the second <clears throat> thing was at the time being a teenager mm-hmm. already is already a tough thing you're just trying to figure out yourself and then on top of that people are judging you this way <laughs> what do i want <laughs> yeah. yeah and then in like in we growing up not have like first getting dial up and then now the internet and everything's exploding like i didn't grow up like, with the concept of like social media so now like oh, all of a sudden any of us did. yeah Right? Mm-hmm. I still remember that dialing tone for the yeah. internet. internet. Yeah. 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 And those AOL CDs. Get off the farm using the internet. Yeah. <laughs> or I'll be online and then like it just crashes. I'm like, who got on the farm? <laughs> yeah. I was, the, I was like so happy when we got two lines at home because then I would have one dedicated for the internet and one for the phone. Nice. That was how I knew. I, that was like early 2000 come up right there. Or like 98 come up. It's like you got two phone lines in your house because one for dial-up internet and one for phone calls. Those were the days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll never understand that struggle. And it was like it was like precious at the time. Mm-hmm. Like what you said on the internet, I think, was much more precious. Now it's like every like anyone everything. Yeah, anyone yeah. could say anything. It's cheap talk. Yeah. Um, and photos are cheap now too. But anyways, so it it just struck me much more um, <clears throat> growing up in like in that age and then now seeing these people or not seeing these people but not knowing who these people were but um trying and them still judging me in that way i'm like i just kept thinking like do you like you don't even know me why are you saying things like this um but obviously now after after growing up and just going through the process so many times and meeting other amazing women who are so confident in themselves and not to the point of being arrogant just confident and I think that was key. It was like an eye opener for me that like when I brought these things up, they were just like, like I've like I've been I've seen those forums and I don't care. Mm-hmm. And to have them say that and being in the same position as a contestant, but still saying that really opened my mind that like that was a possibility for me to just like ignore it. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I was like, you know what? This pageant thing is like, first of all, it was it hooked me in. It's just mm-hmm. like, it's a competition, so it's really exciting. And then also every year, I felt like there was so much room for improvement that I learned. 
um, that I want to apply to the next year. And then just meeting these amazing women, it was like, I have made lifelong friends out of my pageant sisters. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's even more valuable than a crown or a sash. So that was my journey. You know, the thing is too, it's like, in anything that you do, you're always going to have haters. And like, everyone starts, so one of my mentors, he, same mentor, well, yeah, one of, the, one of the mentors, um, my mentors, oh. he said, um, so when you're hanging out with the same people, at, at the same, at that moment, everyone's at the same level, right? But the moment you try to um, build that ladder up, that's when people that don't like you, they're going to start cutting you down. Oh, you know what I mean? yeah, uh huh. Mm. And you're always mm. going to have that. I remember that. this one. Yeah, you're always going to have those kinds of people, and it does take a lot of, um, uh, I want to say, courage or a lot of just, you know, understanding yourself to. A lot of diligence to just ignore it. Yeah, that. So, yeah. you know, and just knowing how to be you and do you, like, that's, you'll get really far with that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's a good one. That's actually something that I think. Uh, a lot of the contestants have like indirectly asked about so they'll be like how should I approach how I present myself on stage and I constantly remind them remember to be yourself otherwise you are cheating yourself of the experience if you try to be someone you're not mm-hmm. and they're like but what if the judges don't like that it's like well that's you and you've left everything on the table and that's all you can do yeah. just be yourself be authentic be authentic yeah. yeah people like that they don't necessarily look for the person who's the most bubbly necessarily they want to look for someone who's genuinely the way they are right and you know why too because like if you do that and you get far up there not being your genuine self and then all of a sudden you kind of sleek like your true self then you're just gonna fall so hard oh yeah yeah absolutely and i've seen that happen i've That's seen it wild. happen uh, too many times and pe- people people sometimes I think this is something we were actually talking about in the car my husband and I mm-hmm. about the concept of niceness I think especially in America people like to say oh she's so nice or he's so nice but what is actually nice I think nice is like a very overused word mm-hmm. and it, it's not it's pretty empty whereas I think kindness is a very powerful thing mm-hmm. if you are kind that means you try to help people on the goodness of your heart yeah. not because you want people people to like you those are very different things that are sometimes mixed up and it's also to add to that is you need to go in with um with that kindness and zero expectations exactly zero expectations yep and that's really hard to do 100 percent expectation what do you mean (laughs) zero expectation it's hard to do yeah Yeah. it is especially when you grow up like in a world where when you give something you automatically feel like it should be reciprocated right yeah and it's hard to like reteach yourself not to do that yeah exactly definitely like in this um with this coming generation right it's like really hard to kind of like expect like nothing in return when you actually hand out so when you actually do something for someone else right because everyone's just gonna take 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 right in our in our in our world right i mean i firsthand have Happened to me many times, you know, but it's like, you know, it's whatever, yeah. you know. I just took it for what it was. It's like, well, if they really wanted to stick around, they would stick around. Yeah. Right? Exactly. But they didn't, so I'm like, okay, yep. goodbye. Yep. Um, so I have one last question from someone named Johnny. Ooh. He said, what are some ways you were denied in an environment because of being female? 
Ooh. Ooh. That's a spicy topic. <laughs> Denied because sauce. I have to I have to take a bite for that one. Sure, I sure. Have to think about it. Where's the hot sauce? Because I was female. Hmm. Well, I could think of an immediate example because I'm Asian, and mm-hmm. then I could possibly come up with the example for a female. Mm-hmm. So, um, what I think when I was still in high school, during this one summer, I worked at a rest- an Italian restaurant. It was like a very old school Italian restaurant. I was a hostess there, and I was t- just taking um, a guest to the table. And I, after he sat down, he said, "Aren't there enough jobs in Chinatown?" What? Woo! Yeah. Ooh. That's spicy. Fuck that guy. God yeah. Dang. And if I was there, oof. I was at the time. I, I had I hadn't experienced something that to that extent no, at really the at the time. So it shocked. Yeah. It shook me. I was shook. Yeah. And I was just silent. And then, and then I um, and I was just like, no, I work here. And I walked away. Um, but at that moment, it it became much more apparent to me my identity as a Chinese American because I grew up in Skokie and I was uh, like Skokie is a very diverse Mm -hmm. um, neighborhood and so I grew up with people of all different ethnicities I didn't think of myself as just Chinese until that moment which was still close to my neighborhood in Lincolnwood but yet such a different environment and to me that was a reminder that hey you know I'm actually Chinese American I'm not just Chinese or I'm not just a person Um, and the piece about it being excluded because I was female. Um, honestly, I, I I think thank God I haven't. I don't think I've had an experience like that yet. Mm. I've definitely felt awkward in rooms because I was the only female. But mm. the the males around me, luckily, didn't actually treat me differently because of it. Mm. Um, so in my last in my, two jobs ago, I worked as a technical project manager at a company, and my whole team were males. Like my boss, everyone was male, and we would go into rooms, and other people, other women, would actually point it out. They'd be like, "You realize you are the youngest, the only Asian, because they're all they're all white, and the only female in that room, right? You're representing three minorities <laughs> in one." Let's go. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Let's go. Um, <laughs> But luckily, all those males were like, they just treated me like everyone else, which was awesome. But I know that's not the experience for other females. Mm -hmm. And some of my contestants even have experienced being in the male-dominated industry, especially engineering, and the more traditional engineering routes. So, yeah, going off that, I do have a friend. She's Asian, and she's also in engineering. And she went to a networking event um, to get a job. And this guy looked at her and said, you know, I don't think... Um, you know, as a female, you would be good for this. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so he said, I, I don't think as a female you would be fit for this job, but um, how will we go on a date? Wow! Yep. Oh my god. Yep. Dang. She's, she's a douchebag. Oh, good for her for walking yeah. away. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. That's a. That's. But a lot of those, <laughs> I feel like a lot of those experiences like, aren't being shared, you know? Actually, yeah, and that's that's like. That's where I think the, the there's like a gray area at those happy hours. Mm-hmm. At, te- at, at happy hours where there it's like a professional group or something, where the males there seem to be looking for dates rather than people to talk to about their profession. Yep. And I've been in that situation, so that's actually a good. Uh, that actually 
segues into I've been to happy hours where they will just approach me not because of how, what I know and who I am as a person but because they want to get my number to go on a date and I'm I'm like I'm here because I want to give back to the profession and learn more from other people yeah, not yeah. to go on dates and I hope that you can see me as an individual person in that way rather than a potential date yeah, yeah. and it's just really frustrating but and that's why so, on these last closing notes, Victoria, what is one takeaway that you can give like the future generation, like whether it's self confidence or like how to be yourself, like more like yourself, or like how to kind of like carry yourself into the into you know your future life or your future career? One takeaway. Yeah, um, and maybe this is too general but mm-hmm. I'll try to make it more specific as I go along. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that nowadays we have more, so much more opportunity to explore what we potentially like just by being involved in clubs at our school mm-hmm. or being involved, like volunteering at, at things around the community. And that is truly how I figured out what my calling was, which is to empower young women, especially young Asian women. Because I, in, I volunteered at Chinese American Service League with the youth, I saw there was a need for developing the youth in leadership areas. And that was like the piece that, I, that struck me the most is that so many people think that the youth are there just to be labor, just to like volunteer for like moving things around and being told what to do. Mm-hmm. But I wanted those youth to understand that you have agency even as someone who is young you have agency and you have the opportunity to speak up and say speak your mind even though people might even though older people or other people might say like oh you don't know anything you do know something because you're living your life now as much as you're living your life in 20 years from now mm-hmm. and res- honor that and respect that for yourself and just own it and speak up as much as you can Take opportunities to give back, and while we don't want to have expectations, usually I think that like just these volunteering opportunities will already help you grow as a person so much. Yeah. Nice. You got that, guys. There you go. Volunteer. Yeah. Whenever you can. You heard it here first, everyone. This is Victoria Ng. Um, and then, do you have any plugs you want to social media? Oh yeah. Shameless plug. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. So Miss Chinese Chicago is www.misschinesechicago.info and we also have the handle um, at Miss Chinese Chicago. And then we also have Asian Fashion Show Chicago, which is at Asian Fashion Show Chai. Cool. Awesome. And then um, for our listeners, if you haven't already, follow us on the uh, Apple Podcast as well as Spotify and Instagram. Hit us up on all social medias. Um, and that's at the eating cast T H E capital E lowercase a capital T I N G cast at the eating cast. All right. So thank you for dining with us, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.